What's the time? It's time to get ill as we celebrate the Beastie Boys breakthrough album, Licensed to Ill. Stay with us. It's going to be a good one. Get ready for the 3324 podcast, where lifelong friends Dean Legiro and Eric Cooper share their love of all things music and movies. Dean has directed short films and is a music trivia buff. And Eric, trained in audio engineering, brings his extensive knowledge of music and film to the conversation as they discuss, debate, and celebrate their favorite albums, films, and much more. Welcome, friends, to the 3324 podcast. Weekly doses of the stuff that we hope you like. We try and choose stuff that you like. Well, we like like it. it? Does that yeah, matter? We'll, Does that count? Well, I hope. Well, at, at the minimum, so. we need to like it, right? That's yeah. the that's the bottom. The bottom. We most thing certainly we have to like it. Yeah. If we start doing we episodes where you know I hate this fucking album, like if we start doing episodes like that, we're in trouble. Like we've really hit the end. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Right. We we've hit the bottom. You know, then it's time to cash out. Sure. For now, we're doing music and movies that we absolutely love and adore and that ones that inspire us uh, and ones that hopefully spark conversation or spark some fond memories. Cause that's mainly what we do is, is talk about the effect that these records and this music and film and images and moving images have had on us. And we do mm-hmm. that every week. So thank you for, for joining myself and Eric. He was getting worried that I wasn't going to introduce him. I, <laughs> I saw the worry on that. his face. I never worry about that. I just I saw the I saw the, gla- the glare the glare. <laughs> <laughs> you I'm got here. salty with me a couple times. You go, like, hey, are you going to introduce me? I'm like, oh, we're getting to it. <laughs> well, when it's when it turns into five minutes, ten minutes in, maybe just yeah, endless that, you know. monologuing and just like, <laughs> dude, shut up. Like you know, there's someone else here, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. So we're we are spinning the 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 time machine back. Oh, 1986. Man. Yeah, we were Eric and I were. Uh, Eric had hair. I did, and uh, I had a lot of hair actually. A big, yeah. bushy hair, right? I mean, oh wow. yeah, you were rocking yeah. the permanent waves. <laughs> Not permanent the Rush waves. album. Not the Rush album, but the hairstyle. <laughs> <laughs> and all, all I wanted to do was to. I should have just kept, you know, what everybody was telling me at the time was like, no, you look like Kevin Bacon. Keep uh-huh. the straight hair. No, I wanted to look like Mel Gibson, which obviously got the body wave. Look nothing like Mel Gibson, uh, you know, but but yeah, I wanted that kind of, you know, curl to my hair, whatever it was. And, you know, and then I realized it was I was just wearing a fucking mullet. Yeah, that's <laughs> what it was. And I'm glorified. like, no, a glorified we'll mullet. That's what it was. And I'm, I'm like, find wow, some what was I thinking? <laughs> there are there are photos out there. So and we will find them. I'm going to have to go back into the archives and think. Those out. Yeah, I got a perm once. Uh, you did actually. Yeah, yeah. my hair just went straight out. Like <laughs> you came. <was> like, yeah, <laughs> I remember. Yeah, yeah. but oh, but it's, and it took a, quite a few haircuts for it to kind of get back under control. Like it was just uh-huh. growing out. Well, crazy. you heard it crazy here stuff first, in folks. the eighties. Yeah, yeah we, yeah, we did some crazy shit. Self tanner, uh, moose. Oh, right, moose. I had the, the moose. big purple comb right in my back yeah. pocket all the time, yeah. in the jacket pocket or the back gel. Pocket. I used to gel. I used to gel my hair. Eighty six, prime time, gelling my hair or mousse. <laughs> yeah, uh, spray tans. I think it was called Sun In. Yeah, um, and I, I sprayed that in my hair, and I didn't think it was working, so I kept on spraying it. My hair almost got like blonde. Almost looked like <laughs> Mr. Joshua in, in Lethal Weapon. 
Oh, we're bringing up uh, the Mel Gibson references. That was the references. 80s for you. And, and in yeah, the middle man. of this, it was 1986 with, with yeah. the Beastie Boys and their, their debut album. Oh, man. Yeah. Licensed to I mean, Ill. You, this is another one of those uh, records or, or, or tapes, I should say, the cassette. Yeah. In your car. <laughs> As we're driving, the cruising, man, the windows down. The, the nope. thing is blaring. Um, yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, it's such a 1986 great. 1986 might record. have been the Plymouth yeah. Valiant, or it might have been the. Uh, what did I have after that? Uh, Pontiac, not the Bon. I didn't have a Bon. I had a Bonneville, but in between, you had a Bonneville. You had the van. You had a van. At one that point. was later. That was later. After, yeah, after okay. the Valiant, I had a. Oh God, I can't remember what it was. You had a brown no, car. You had a Thunderbird. Nah, it was but, like a Thunderbird, but it was brown and it had yeah, it had a gigantic. No, you front. had a sky blue Thunderbird, not not a no. Trans Am, but yes, you did. You did. I remember. No, I never because had a T Bird because we couldn't fit in the fucking thing. <laughs> no, I never. I never had a T Bird. I had a. God, no, we, should, we could do an episode on cars. Was, that it, I've was had. it a Camaro then? Well, Might I had the Camaro. Camaro. Yeah, we had okay, the Camaro. There. there it is. The um, sky blue Camaro you had. Yeah, and then I had the a New Yorker. Top. I had a yeah. Bonneville. Yeah. Um, what was the other one? I can't remember what it was. It was a, wow. These car, These were the days when cars had like gigantic engines, like 350 engines and you know, just monster, <laughs> monster, monster. Were feet. Were like yeah, it was like driving. It was like, yeah, it was like, it was like well, the our, road warriors, like tank warfare on the streets. Johnny had his uh, famous, the LTD. He had the, an LTD. You know, that thing was like a and, boat and a half. And he had that thing forever. I think yeah. it was the only car he ever owned before we, you know, he actually bought yeah. a brand new car. Uh, but yeah, that they thing had it for was so everywhere. long. Remember, he used to have to when they would fill it up too much with gas, it would smell like gas inside the car. <laughs> there was right. like a leak. There was like a leak at the top of the tank or something. So we were like getting like a fix as, asphyxiated to listening to. I know uh -huh. lungs are so messed up today, yeah. man. Uh, that's probably why. <laughs> we listening to like "Take on Me," but and then getting asphyx asphyxiated. It was like a rave in that we just needed that. We just needed the the, the, the neon lights and stuff. Oh my goodness! Right? Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, the fumes. No, anyway, the, right. the, the the memories come flowing back as soon as we started talking. About Indeed. Yes. So let, let's get to it. Let's yep. not let's not delay any further. Okay. Um, this was released in November of 1986. This was the biggest selling. The, the Beastie Boys themselves are the biggest selling rap group uh, in Billboard history since Billboard started recording sales officially in 1991. Mm -hmm. um, this this album hit number one it was the first rap album to hit number one um they are 2012 uh hall of fame inductees there were seven singles released from this album oh That's my god seven. yes yeah they just didn't <laughs> my stop. goodness they my just goodness. didn't stop um it was also um 10 million copies sold so that's uh uh diamond uh diamond status and since we're talking about mm -hmm. diamond let's talk about the beastie boys in the beastie boys you got mike d mike diamond mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You've got the King Ad Rock, which is Adam Harvitz, and my favorite beastie is MCA, Mr. Adam Yawk. Yeah, that's my favorite. He always looked disheveled. It was he looked like like <laughs> like Mike D was dressed like a rapper. He had like the over you know the Volkswagen medallion and the, and the hat. And, <laughs> yeah. and King Ad Rock dressed like a college student. MCA always looked like he came out of bed. Like he just looked like he shuffled out of bed in the early days. Like his hair was disheveled he's wearing a t-shirt his leather jacket's yeah. on sideways like he always looked like a mess so so maybe that i felt you know uh well, it was quite the dynamic right yeah the, you know the i felt i felt mess, yeah. i felt com companionship with him because i was at, at i'm glad in 1986 they, i was in the same their own distinct style that's great yeah. that's fantastic you know yeah um but yeah, yeah so 10 million uh, a diamond 
status album from uh, the Beastie Boys. And like I said, they, they were inducted in the Hall of Fame uh, in 2012. They were the third rap act uh, to go in. So probably, you know, which is about right. They probably, I, I don't know who got in first, prob- but probably some of the pioneers yeah. um, got in early. And this was re- uh, produced by, uh, this is our second episode, uh, produced by Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin, yeah. Okay, and this is early days Rick Rubin. This is um, when he just really, uh, you know, was a kid and he, and he was so much, he was so, such a part of the beastie boys. If you go back and look at some of their videos, if you look at fight for your right and you look at mm-hmm. she's on it, he's mm-hmm. in, he's in the videos. Like he was yeah. as much a member of the beastie boys. Like he really was instrumental in their career. Sure. Um, and he was kind of in on it and in with the group. Um, but he was also, you know, Rick Rubin was also producing Slayer at the same time. He was producing Rain, the rain in blood album. Yeah. Um, and he was just a kid himself. You know, pretty much yeah. out of high school, you know, uh, co-founded De- Def Jam. Yeah. You know, who who would sign, you know, God, uh, you know, LL Cool J, Public Enemy, Run DMC and the Beastie Boys, just a, just a sampling of, of some of the artists yeah. that were on Def Jam back in the day. That was just a, a, a cauldron of creativity of that burgeoning rap scene. And the Beastie Boys kind of were originally a hard, kind of a hardcore punk band. That's mm-hmm. really what they were. But then they started like fooling around with like kind of rap and hip hop, like in their live shows. And then they would just, they just pivoted. They found you know, pretty something. much to yeah. a, to a, found their calling as it were. Yeah. yeah. To a, a, a kind of a rap, a, a punk, like punk rap, if you want to call it that. You know, yeah, rock, they combine styles, rap, yeah, hybrid, sure. um, a little bit of heavy metal there. You got, you know, you yeah. got some heavy guitar on some of these songs and, and, you know, Rick Rubin, of course, bringing that in the warmth of the production. Which you know, you know me. I'm not fond of the '80s overall. The 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 high end, like real tinny. Oh yeah, this has none stuff. of that. This has, I mean, bass. There's this bass is on this record. There's yeah, yeah. This, this is, is you know this monster. Is, you know me- metal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, guitar. Sa- a lot, a ton of sampling. I mean, these guys were like the sampling kings. Mm-hmm. And then and then hip hop beats underneath it. Yeah. Um, Let's talk a little bit about 1986, and then we'll we'll reminisce a little bit more about how we got into it. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting, you know, we had just done a Peter Gabriel episode. Uh, we just did so. Yeah, um, th- this came out the same year. It did, oddly enough. Uh, we said Rain and Blood Slayer was working on their album. Uh, Ruben was working on his on their on their album as well. Rick Ruben producing that came out. Uh, Master of Puppets from Metallica. Uh, True Blue from Madonna. They actually opened for Madonna. They were opening for Madonna before this album came out. So they were kind of like, you know, you get yeah. those groups that you never heard of. And Madonna, you know, is, uh, is a New York artist. Uh, and the Beastie Boys are firmly NYC all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were, she was able to get them to open on, on her tour. So that kind of brought them out into the spotlight, but they still hadn't released their big album yet. Uh, 5150 from Van Halen or Van mm. Hagar. Van, the, first, right? the debut of, yeah. Yeah, a kind, yeah, a kind of is. magic by Queen. We just done a, a Highlander episode. That's right. <clears throat> um, so there's a lot, you know, the bridge, which would be like the the tail end of the Billy Joel kind of era. Uh, the great album Rapture by Anita Baker. So it was a soul that soul music was going mm-hmm. on. Uh, Strong Persuader by Robert Christ. You started to see some blues, yes. cut, like hit the oh, yes. hit the charts. The 80s, like he came, yep. he seemingly came out of nowhere. Temporary blues, yeah, on the scene. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Eat him and smile. Yep. The the debut of David Lee Roth. So a lot of different stuff, the way it is by Bruce Hornsby. So that's got that glossy sound to it. Of course, that's got that yeah. slick 80s production, but still, a, still <laughs> yeah. a great album. And then The Ultimate Sin by Ozzy Osbourne, Dirty Work by the Rolling Stones. So there's just a, there was just a lot of, a lot of different stuff going on. And then these guys just come, you know, kicking the door in. Yeah. With, yeah. It, it's not, um, 
it's not sophisticated music, even Absolutely even not. in its execution. I mean, you could tell these guys were were twenty years old, uh, going into you know you know fooling around with drum machines, obviously fooling around with samples. They weren't accomplished musicians yet, mm-hmm. um, but they had ideas and they had really smart lyrics and they, and you know they had Rick Rubin to help guide them, even though he was a child as well. Yeah. I mean, he was you know. Um, and what the hell happened to Rick Rubin, man? Now he's like the wild man of the. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like you, you know what? The, he's got the beard and the long hair, like he's in the well, bear he, always had the, he always had Run, the beard, but now it's even longer. Like it's that's like that's running amazing. around in the woods, like in a cabin. Yeah, but, <laughs> but would never it, like in in the eighties. Yeah. In the eighties, Rick Rubin was pretty much doing rap and and metal. Yeah, like that. He yeah. was he was kind of vacillating between you know producing Run DMC, Jazzy J, LL Cool J, but then doing Slayer, and uh, you know he did the Cult. And somewhere uh, Dan, along he was the doing way, Danzig, Masters of Reality. Yeah, so somewhere he was, along the way, he said, "When well, we maybe we can combine this stuff. Maybe we could, you know, yeah. there's this hybrid thing happening." And and these guys were all over that. Yeah, you know. But like you say, not sophisticated music. And it's it's interesting you say yet that they didn't become great musicians yet because we'll and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, yeah, yeah. This is yeah. just kind of rough, like rough and tumble, um, almost jokey. Right. They're almost playing, yeah, car- yeah. you know, a lot of their lyrics, you know, they're, they're like they're, the lyrics. It's before rap really got hardcore. This is not like hardcore rap, right. uh, which is probably probably why it was so accessible to the masses as well, because some of it was, you know, the, the videos were goofy. They were acting, you know, throwing pies in, in, in the videos. And at the time, people thought, oh, my God, this is so subversive. But they were throwing pie. They're throwing mm-hmm. whipped cream pies in a music video, you know, um, but but it was it was for me, it was something that kind of grabbed my ear. Um, yeah. probably, well, the, the fight for your right. I mean, that was the, that was the song. Cause that was all over MTV. That was the breakthrough. And it was I'm a gimmick. Honestly, that it was, was a gimmicky the song. Fourth single. That, yeah. that, that was like the fourth single. I thought that for sure, that would have been the first. The lead off. Yeah. The lead off. But yeah, no, yeah. it no. wasn't, but, but MTV picked up that video. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, they need that content and it was just that that type of video that was kind of goofy mm-hmm. and you know, and yeah, the song is actually probably the, it's probably the most gimmicky song. Yeah. And really the rest of the album isn't really like it. This is close. This is as close as you're going to get to a song proper where they're actually singing. Yeah. You know, everything yeah. else is, is, is pretty much is rap. You know, the thing I take away from the record on a whole, I think it was, I agree with, it was a critic that mentioned that this is an album that, in, that embraces life that there's a joyous feel to this record. It's a, it's like the ultimate party album. It's like you put it on and you just, yeah, it's obnoxious at times. It, it can really get under your skin if you're not in the mood to listen to this kind of thing. Absolutely. But there are, but then, you know, when the mood is right and you're, you're feeling good and, and you're loving life, you know, this is the record to put on. Yeah, at least it's, it's it was fun. back then. Yeah, yeah. The rap, oh. rap was at a different stage. Like, like yeah. early rap was more about like bravado. Like, I, I have the best rhymes, and you know, mm-hmm. I got the best look, and mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of more about that kind of stuff. And 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 in in this in this album, you hear a lot of that kind of classic lyrical content. They yeah. talk a little bit about guns, but not like shooting people. It's like I'll pull out my ga- my gun or pull out <laughs> yeah. the jammy, and it's kind of like. It, it's never you never take it seriously because their delivery is just it's so, tongue in like, cheek. It's, yeah, it's so tongue, tongue in cheek, cheek that you're not yeah. it's yeah. not like threatening. Like I'm going to, you know, you know, they talk about, yeah, I shot this guy in the back, but it's almost like they're telling a story. It's like, right. you know, it, it doesn't yeah. seem like it's connected to reality. And, you know, and, and it's kind of uh, they kind of keep it light in, in that way. But but rap was kind of like that back then. It was more about, you know, who could who could, you know, like I said, do the best rhymes and 
who's mm-hmm. got the, the 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 fly look and all it was more about the bravado and, and kind of a little bit of a machismo than it was about yeah. you know they wouldn't really get into that social conscious stuff at you know that that Tupac no. and other artists were getting much in the 90s right you know rap would yeah. be a totally different thing it would take it would take on a life of its own the beastie boys just kind of inserted themselves into this hip-hop thing with their with their hardcore punk roots uh, and obviously a love of Led Zeppelin because, Ze- you know, I, the funny thing is First three songs are yeah, a lot of them Zeppelin. Yeah, have have, yeah. Ze- have Zeppelin samples. And, and I didn't I remember at the time because I was, you know, I, at the time I was not, you know, didn't really know Zeppelin like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew that I knew the riffs probably were Zeppelin. I just didn't I actually didn't even know this. I didn't know what songs they were. Until much yeah. later, until I heard like the ocean, I'm like, oh the my ocean. god, that's the beat. She's that's she's that's favorite. she's crafty. I'm like, yeah. wait, that's that's she's crafty. You know, so it was kind of fun. Like many years later, I finally like you know got got some sense into my head, started listening to Zeppelin, and then I recognized like the the samples from from License to Ill. So it was kind of very strange. Yeah, rhyming and stealing. I mean, that should tell you right there. Yeah, <laughs> you when know, the levy breaks. When the levy it, breaks. It, it, it that, drum, that oh my god, that drum pattern. Yeah. is is. It's it's iconic, you know, but man, it's does it work in that song? It, it's so and, you know, and no, no more apropos title is they're rhyming and they're stealing they're stealing samples. <laughs> hey, I mean, this, they're not, they're, no, there's they're they're not apologizing for it. No, they're you no, know they're absolutely they're, not. No, they're they're absolutely doing it. Yeah, and their follow yeah. up to this was uh, Paul's boutique is nothing not even but more. sampling. I mean, you got twenty samples in like in one song to make yeah. up the song. That is genius, you know that that they could do that and. I was talking <laughs> with my youngest son today and I was playing in the album and I said, yeah, we're going to be talking about this tonight. And he's like, there's no way that this came out in 1986. I'm like, yeah. really? I mean, why, why do you say that? He goes, no, this sounds like something like today, like because of the technology today. I said, yeah, these that's why these guys were like pioneers because yeah. they were doing this back in 86 and it's, and it's genius. It's, you know, it's so well done and well put together and edited and, um, so yeah, he's like, but he couldn't yeah, believe because, it because they were he grabbing influences it. from everywhere. So right. you'll have, you'll have, you know, like, like time to get ill. It's got Barry white Creedence, Clearwater revival, <laughs> Led Zeppelin, Steve <laughs> Miller, and the theme from Mr. Ed sampled in it. Like what? <laughs> yeah. The, the literally the kitchen, like the kitchen sink, but it's, it's just done so brilliantly. Like you, you, you're yeah. listening to it and you don't know what's coming next. And, and I hadn't listened to this album in a while. And when I was putting it on, I'm like, Oh my God, like the flood of memories, remembering mm-hmm. the lyrics, you know, how, how just ridiculous they are, but they're also very smart. Like, no, they they're, are. They're so, they they're are. so of the, they're so of the time, you know, um, one girl in the castle and one in the pagoda. I got more rhymes than Abe Vigoda. What <laughs> song is going to re- reference Abe Vigoda, right? In in a rap song, but only That's in the right. 80s could you get away with that. But even that was obscure. And yeah, like, we like, get such like, a laugh out of it. So man. they have such yeah. a background of 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 knowledge and and like, you know, what was pop like pop, you know, pop trivia or, or what was popular. They kind of throw stuff out like that and they yeah. put them in the songs and, and it catches you off guard because one 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 minute they're talking about you know pulling out their gun and then they're talking about Abe Vigoda. Yeah, you know, the and it's like, what, aspect like, oh. is just is is astounding. It's like, yeah. and, and they're not they were just starting out. I mean, they weren't really considered, I guess, artists at the time, but they most certainly were. I mean, this was so different and so you know, and it just. I mean, I I I admit, I I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of hip hop back in the day, but me this, neither. This but album this, just this grabs you, man. It yeah. just absolutely grabs you. And I don't think, and I don't really don't think that, I think they gained the respect of even like 
established rap artists, you know, at the time, sure. like black artists at the time, I think have a, 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 a profound respect for these guys because they because they do it so well. And, and it was they authentic. Do it, the the yeah, love was right. there. Like the yeah. love was there. You could hear it in the lyrics yeah. that, you know, because a lot of, uh, you know, uh, especially at that time and, and, and true, true in the 90s as well. But a lot of rap music is about experiences. Yeah. You know, and it's about things that happen to people and and their experiences were hanging out on, on 42nd Street, you know, yeah. and going to parties and Three grabbing Jewish a Miller. Boys, like hanging it was out. A, yeah, it was about partying. It was about partying and having a good time. And those were their experiences. Right. And they yeah. were able to relate them and put them into stories like Paul Revere, <laughs> yeah. which I really like. And right. she's crafty. It's like they're living together and this girl, you know, they bring a girl home, you know. Just just kind of the way they they craft all the the stories and the and the lyrics, like just like the the first song, you know, um, it kind of has a pirate theme to it, you know, um, and, and it's just the way they they kind of couch their experiences. They don't just every song isn't just a, a, about them talking about that, but they'll put mm. it into they'll they'll insert it into into stories like they're the characters of it. Yeah. You know, very clever and, and, then, and very self-referential, which which and even a lot their of and even do. their videos would take on a whole new sophistication oh. too. Yeah, I mean they'd be, they're, they're pioneers. Their their uh, anthology DVD is a Criterion release. That is that's how you know like yeah I guess highbrow they're with you're running with the big boys there. I mean this was yeah. this was a bestseller for Criterion. Yeah, for, they did for, a lot. They, you know, yeah, Spike Jones in the 90s yeah. was directing a lot of those videos for them. Yeah. Um, Sabotage, which is not on this album, one of the best music videos just of all time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is Sabotage. And maybe maybe Intergalactic might be a, a close second. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they, they, were, they were at the right time. And yeah, very easy to be dismissed. Like they could have been a flash in the pan and be like, you know, kind of, kind of like Vanilla Isaac. This could very have much have been Ice Ice Baby. Yeah. You know, where they kind of peek their head, you know, you got to fight for your right to party. That is that is a song that is not meant to have longevity. It's kind of come up. It's going to be a novelty. People are going to like it at the time. And then it's going to it's going to go. It's going to dip back down. But like you said, it wasn't the leadoff single. It was like the middle single. Yeah. You know, there was you know no sleep till Brooklyn would come out after that. Uh, Paul Revere, I think, came out after that. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of stuff to go. And, and you know, these weren't hitting. You know, I think uh, Fight for Your Right was the only chart hit they, that they ever had. I think it was the only one that ever hit the top 10. Yeah. But the Beastie Boys had a long and storied career afterwards because they persevered. They evolved. Uh, they continued to push the boundaries of what rap could do. They just didn't stay. You know, they could have very easily been that caricature of them. Mm -hmm. Instead, they became other caricatures like it. Like in Sabotage, they were like 70s. It was like a 70s cop show. And they're yeah. running down the street and driving cars and, and tackling and it was people. Probably better than a lot of movies made, you know, like <laughs> like oh, like I'm serious. No, I'm serious. Yeah. It was really like I think of like Boogie Nights when, you know, when they yeah. were doing that parody. Yeah. Uh, but but that's that's immediately where I go with that. But yeah. even so, but it was so well done. And, and, and yeah, it's just great great stuff yeah. and and i might add now was the time to kind of bring it up like you know the later albums i i actually got into like the the funky stuff that they, they actually started playing instruments and yeah. they were doing this like sort of like acid jazz thing that they were you know breaking into these funky grooves and stuff instrumental pieces i love that stuff i absolutely love that stuff i think it, there's a little piece of that in iron man 2 where he's sitting on on top of the donut and they're mm -hmm. playing one, one of the one of those tracks from yeah. i think it's from uh one of the later albums in the nineties, but 
yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. The, the, I, they, I really they, dig they weren't, yeah, they weren't, yeah. they weren't hitting the charts as much after, but they became artists and they became yeah. much respected artists. So, mm-hmm. you know, also in, in 1994, you know, Adam Yawk kind of spearheaded the Tibetan Freedom Concert. So that kind of brought them a lot of socially conscious accolades as well, yeah. right? That, that you know, Adam Yawk went to Tibet and he saw how the people were being treated. He goes, well, we need to put together something for them. Uh, and there was a series of concerts, and 1994 was the first one. So, so yeah, they they kind of matured. They didn't keep this goofy mm-hmm. kid persona. Yeah, you, you got to grow doesn't up. Mean they yeah. that, that doesn't mean their tongue wasn't firmly planted in their cheek when their music – like, they like to have fun <laughs> in their music videos. That's right. Um, which is great. It's that youth – it's that exuberance that, that, that their music brings. But they didn't stay stuck – playing those characters that they played in the beginning, you know, no. the, the 20 year old horny guys and, you know, doing goofy stuff, you know, th- like that was of that era. And like you said, as they progressed through their career, um, they would change and mature and, and make more mature, still making hip hop and, and the, the, the rock fusion and yeah, still taking samples from, from everywhere near and far, anything they could get their hands on. They were, um, mm-hmm. But they were they were doing it as adults, and like you said, b- becoming more involved in actually making the music and playing bass and playing yeah. drums, playing a little bit of guitar. But this album, um, it's just it's almost like a hot mess. I mean, it sounds just like like slapdash, you know. But that's what the appeal of it is: is it's so such a it's so raw sounding. It it sounds not very polished, you know. But no. that's the appeal of this music: is it's kind of. It's raw rap. Rap music is raw. It's grabbing a microphone. It's spitting lyrics out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's having those samples ready and, and just firing them off. You know, so it's not going to be polished like it is t- today. It's it's a lot more polished. And yeah, they're they're putting them in at the right time. You yeah. know, she's crafty. It's, it's just it's just that that yeah. that that riff just over just keep pounding you over and over. The like ocean. It, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's just unrelenting. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you just kind of listen to it, and it, it become they they take that one riff and they make it into a song of their own. There's some you know, it's not ri- just it's not just a, a a sample that shows up. It is a centerpiece of the song. Absolutely, and there's so many rap artists who try to establish that perfect beat. You know, there's like oh, I gotta I gotta come up, and and really what they you know it's really no different than what some of these rock and roll drummers were already playing, like John Bonham. So why try to create? your own perfect beat when you have it. <laughs> so take it and put it in a song and and there it is. It's like, you know, and if, if they, if they don't have any problem with it, then, then, you know, God bless them, you know, cause yeah. it's just, you know, well, they got paid. I mean, back then it was a lot easier. Yeah. 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 It, you know, you, you, you know, samples were, were bargain basement pricing as well. Yeah. Um, you, you know, it wasn't like the thing that it is now of, oh my God, we can make a lot of money if we, you know, we'll let you use it. Mm-hmm. Back then it was kind of a novelty. So these guys were just sampling far and wide. Like I said, like Mr. Ed. <laughs> yeah. It's like what, like whatever, like whatever they were grabbing. They just get their hands throw, on. Yeah, sure. And making, throw, throwing and making it out a, there. And, this mosaic and, of, of a tapestry of, of all different yeah. sounds and, and, and establishing a story. You know, that's fantastic. It's just not many people can have the, you know, the ids to do that, to just to kind of sit there and just put that together like that. I mean, it's patchwork, but it's, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. It, it, gotta, I mean, you know, it is, yeah, it is absolutely music construction, right? Cause you're, yeah. you're, 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 you're fine. Just you're as laying, much you're, as if you were writing your own material, yeah. I think, you know? Yeah. Cause you're cause laying you're, down a beat Yeah, and then you're, you're kind of, you know, they, they must've been thinking about, well, what sample, you know, what would go great with this? And they're like, Oh, Led Zeppelin, like, and then, Oh no, the Barry White, you know, like, 
they're, they're literally almost choosing from a library of, of musical knowledge and influence that they, that, so mm-hmm. for people that can't play an instrument perhaps, or not very well, this is kind of the next best thing is, is getting that point across by actually using the artists, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, and you know, we want, yeah, we want the riff from the ocean. So let's, let's get it and let's put it in there and just pot and pile drive it. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what that does, you know? And, and they were absolutely an influence. I remember when I was going to <clears throat> the center for the media arts in, in Manhattan, uh, that's where, you know, studied a little bit of audio recording. And then, you know, we had this one project where we all had to take, they had a master tape of Rod Stewart's, do you think I'm sexy? And we had to whittle that down to, it was, it was the, like an eight minute version of the song and it just kept going. It was like a, and it was meant to be chopped down as, as you know, for education purposes to, for students to come in and have to edit it down to like three minutes. And we did that. And of course, you know, we all, you know, most of the kids in the class were like, we whittled it down to three minutes and we just, you know, we kept it as, as it was as, as a single Mm -hmm. Some kid came in and he was like, he freaking sampled the thing. The whole thing was backwards. He was playing stuff backwards. I'm like, this kid's amazing. Why are you here? Like, you're already yeah. doing it, man. You're, you should be out there. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it was it was amazing. Like, it was like a, it was like a remix of of the song. Like, you know, how did you even do this? Like, with you know, because you were chopping things away. You weren't adding things. So I don't even know how he was able to do it. And the, and the teacher was like, uh, I think you're getting a little ahead of yourself. <laughs> Yeah, that was his, probably that, probably eating his words now. Right, right, right. You know, <laughs> you know, and, that, and that's the and that's the thing with it with the new genre, yeah. right? We talk about we talk about the '60s and rock mm-hmm. music, right? And how you know there, there were you didn't know what the rules were, so you didn't know what rules to break, like with the yeah. Beatles, right? They're, oh, let's put strings and let's try this and let's run the tape backwards. Right. You've got a new genre of music. You've got rap music, mm-hmm. and now it's the same thing. It's like, well, what are the rules? Well, we don't know, so. Let's figure this out as we go along, right? Let's take music that we've heard before. Obviously, they were doing that. You know, the DJs were doing that with with the twelve inches and and spinning them and and yeah. you know scratching and doing all that kind of stuff, right? But then when it's time to put it, you know, make a make an album proper or or what are your influences? You you kind of throw the rules out the window, right? And say, well, let's just kind of see what we want to do and see what sounds right. Yeah, you know, and then and if if it works and you're able to, you know, like I said, sample, you know, the cost for samples wasn't that much, so. Um, might it might have even been cheaper than than paying musicians to replicate it. Yeah, you know, so so it's, it was an exciting time in the eighties for for rap music because it was it was something that was growing. You know, kind of grew out yeah. of the late seventies, Sugar Hill Gang and Hotel <laughs> Motel. You know, all that kind of stuff that we used to hear um, yeah. and maybe yeah. didn't connect with. You know, and then the Beastie Boys come and and it's a hybrid of the stuff that we were listening to. Yeah, you know that you know Fight for Your Right to Party was kind of like the hook. Of okay, here's like a hard rock song, kind of yeah. rappy, right? Um, and then I picked up the album. I'm like, oh, this is like pretty much like all hip hop, and I was just enamored with like the smartness of the lyrics. You're smiling. Yeah. Uh, let me see. I got rhymes galim. I got rhymes galoo. I got more rhymes than Phyllis Diller. Okay, so who, again, <laughs> yeah. Ava go to yeah. Phyllis Diller. <laughs> like the stuff was just it was just smartly written and you know um, something like this could be very repetitive too and it's not every song has a different beat a different shuffle I think and they'll change even, it up mid yeah mid song oh, they'll change it up tempo too. they're they're they're, yeah. they're like they're playing things backwards like that you could feel like the like that vacuum feel like that like kind of yep. effect 
happening in some of the songs. And it's, yeah. I think that's Paul, Paul Revere. I think they, Paul they Revere has that, they loop it backwards. Yeah. And it has, yeah. It's like that sucking. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. The, the hi hat is like, zip, zip, yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 So, and it's, so it's, it's like a laboratory, you know, and if you've got yeah. the right producer, that's going to let you experiment and not try and not try and have an agenda. And that's, that's one of the things that people deride, uh, Rick Rubin for is some, some are to say, well, he's not hands-on enough. He just kind of sits there, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. some artists just need you to do that is kind of let you, you not to try a, and a control of ears. You know, honestly, yeah. I mean, you just sit there and you know, it sounds good. You give some advice, let the artists do their thing. I think it's like, you know, if you put too much of yourself into it, sometimes, well. it, you know, <laughs> Get ready, get ready. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not. No, I'm not making any kind of digs on on on. No, it's it's, hor- it's horses that. for courses. Yeah, it, you know, some but, artists need that. They need right. a helping hand. They don't know. Right. Um. But some artists, yeah, just w- want somebody that's going to foster their ideas, right? Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and and facilitate, right? To be a facilitator, a producer. But if you recognize, most of the time. But if you recognize good talent from the get go, I mean, it, it's you know, you don't need to, you know. Hey, I don't need to hold your hand right here. You guys got, you know, just keep it on. I'm here to keep it on track. Just do your thing. Have and at that's, it. That's, you know, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's what I think that's the, the purpose that he served, right. Mm-hmm. Was, was kind of that guide and, and maybe the, you know, not that he was such a pro. I mean, he was still a kid too. I mean, he just it founded Def Jam, yeah. but, but he was the pro and, and just to guide get, yeah, like you said, be the adult in the room as it were of yeah. facilitating what yeah. they needed to do and how do we do this or, or how do we loop this backwards? Um, can we try this? Uh, right. And yeah, and, and it, it is a lot of musical architecture when you're dealing with samples and beats and loops, you know, there's not a whole lot of musicians in there with, you know, take one, take two, it's more assembling this and then making sure it sounds right. You know, mm-hmm. as well, and making sure that it flow. You know, this kind of music has to have a, a beat and a flow to it. There, there's bad rap out there, and it sounds clunky. You know, what, what if 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 it can't be presented right, and you, and you just don't have the right vocal acrobatics, um, it's hard enough for one one rapper to do it. These are three guys, and they're exchanging lines. They're coming in. They'll they'll say one word together, and then another. You know, then then MCA will take the next line. I mean, yeah. that's cho- that's also choreography. That's musical choreography. That's not harmonizing where they're singing the same thing. They're they're throwing a line out. They all land. They they'll all land on the same word, and then Mike D will take the next we'll part, and then someone yeah. else will pick it up. So it, you talk about rappers. This was a, a rap group that it's that all- did it with precision. Such it's vocal. It's, vo- it's vocal musical chairs. It's like a yeah. constant rotation, and it's great because you like, never know what's coming. And you, could, and you could see that in your head. They're just like you. Could, there's a mic, and they and they come up to the mic, and then it's like boom. It's like there's like a revolving. They could be back yeah. to back, and it would be like you know that kind of thing happening. And it's yeah. I, I think amazing. I think I think girls is the only song where there's just one <laughs> one yeah. vocalist, which is which is which is ad rock. I think that's yeah. the only one. I think all the other ones. They're they're just you know literally passing the mic around, yeah. uh, and it's and it's it's vocal acrobatics, and it keeps you on your toes, and that's what's so interesting to listen to is because there's three different fo- and they all have a different style, yeah. You know, like like Ad Rock is is almost goofy. He's almost got a really goofy style to him back then. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mike D was a little smoother, and then MCA was a little like kind of a little bit rougher, a little like almost like a little bit more of a tough guy, a little little rough roughness to his voice, yeah. So they're kind of just changing things, and and each one had a different, also a, a different caricature as well. 
So you're, you're, you know, they, they'll, they're trading lines and then they're, they're, putting their their character into into the line that they're saying too so you gotta you gotta (laughs) you know like ron burgundy said you gotta keep your head on a swivel like when you're you know when you're listening to it uh you know and so so it's engaging you on on so many different levels yeah you know you're listening to the music you're you're you know spot the reference catch the sample and then you're listening to these really smart lyrics and then they're also just interchanging and intertwining at at a a breakneck speed of Mm -hmm. of who's got the next line really uh yeah, and, and for again, stuff that but, that sounds so so thrown together, it's really not. It no, it's it's well thought out, and well, yeah, yeah like you say, it, it is well choreographed, and you know, it, it is a yeah, it's a patchwork, but it's oh God, it's it's so steady, you know, like yeah. it, it's tight, it is tight. I mean, every song is, is 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 spot on, and it just there's no, you don't feel like there's anything like going off the rails or. Cause they'll, they'll do something and all of a sudden it's like, there's a really great edit and then it goes softer. Like, you know, there's a, there's a sample that, that may sound a little bit off, like, or a little bit different, but it, it, it serves the song. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, ruin it in any way, but, and then it cuts back to that hardness and then, you know, yeah. that bass, uh, it, it, you know, it's great. And, and, and another thing, my, my, um, my son immediately is, Oh, did, the guys that did Lazy Sunday, like Adam Sandberg, like there's <laughs> most certainly these guys were his. I'm sure his, you know, the, you know, yeah, these guys were his heroes, you know. Yeah. So everything he does, I'm sure, absolutely, you know, the yeah. whole thing with the, you know, with the SNL skits and stuff was, was so yeah, inspired the, by Beastie Boys. Yeah, no the in, the influence of, of yeah. the Beastie Boys is far and wide, and they, and they yeah. are so well respected and well regarded within yeah. within the rap pantheon as well. It's kind of like. Again, they could have very easily have been like the court jesters of rap. Mm-hmm. You know how they just kind of decided to kind of and do well, that? they they kind of were, but still, but they made something of, of that. You know, they they well, they they, they did it on the they, they didn't do it as like the joke wasn't on them. Yeah, you know the joke. You know they they were doing it because it was funny and and it was experimental. Their their yeah. music videos and it yeah. was just like I was just watching Intergalactic. You know, with the robot and he's and he's fighting <laughs> yeah. the squid in the middle of the, in the middle of like Japan and the and the fake buildings made out of cardboard. Yeah, it's you know it's t- like they they un- they know what they're doing. They they understand it. Yeah, um, and that's why you can enjoy it so much more. And and when I was sitting back listening to this album over the past couple of days, it. I was just remember, you know, like I said, like the lyrics were just kind of popping back into my head and, and just kind of remembering. And, and God, I was like, wow, I, I used to listen to this album like all the time. It was like absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. It was insane. Mm-hmm. Like in, in 86. I mean, I, you know, we said uh, a kind of magic, which I we were definitely listening to because a Highlander. Um, yeah. I don't know how the Beastie Boys got 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 turntable time but they certainly did like i said that cassette um i had the 12 inch of she's on it which was like a single that they put out beforehand uh not on the album but in 85 and it was on the soundtrack to crush groove and then they had cookie puss yeah 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 which was like the one of their underground ones where they you know it's a new york thing and eric eric can appreciate this but cookie mm-hmm. puss is a you know there's there's a, a ice cream chain up in the new york area called you know carvel ice cream it's soft yes <laughs> i guess if you if you have like dairy queen or something like that if you're listening it's it's like that but god carvel is good um they but anyway Car- carvel would have cakes. yeah i just had i just bar had none. some yesterday bar none uh know. had a little carvel the, cookie, ice cream cr- the crumbly cookies that you get it in was the inside middle. yep the cookie crunch the, was inside the in the middle. best oh it's like Are you uh, driving up. Eric just left. He's driving up. Um, well, I mean, so they, so got, they, they sell them in the stores here, but it's, it's, it's not, not the same, same thing. 
It's, no, not, it's not the same when they're making it in yeah, the store. So, right, no. so, so Carvel would have all these themed cakes. It was like Fudgy the Whale for Father's yeah. Day and a football. And then they had one called Cookie Puss, which was like a – it was weird. It had like cookies for eyes and it had like an ice cream cone for nose. So the Beastie Boys would, would – you know, they had one song where they were prank calling like Carvel's and saying, hey, do you have Cookie Puss? And, you know, and, and they kind of put some beats under it. So that was like their first entree into mm-hmm. – into like experimenting with this kind of stuff was with yeah. cookie puss. And yeah. I have it on, I have actually have cookie puss on CD somewhere. Um, and, th- <laughs> yeah. and then they got onto the soundtrack to crush, crush groove with she's on it, which was a really, again, that it had that hard rock uh, edge to it, yeah. which, which really was, it, it could easily fit on license to ill very easily. It, and it's a really great track, but it's, it's just a single. And then in 86, you know, like they unleashed this album and I think uh, came, what I say came out in November. I think by early uh, November of '86, early '87, it had already gone platinum. Mm. You know, yeah. so people you got, were, you got you actually got me into this record. You know, yeah, tape, people were just grabbing it. The cassette, you know, like you know, because like I said, I mean, you know, there was <clears throat> a time when you know we would drive around and stuff, and this album just just I mean, how could you not? I mean, it just grows on you. It's it's got that hook. Every song has a hook to it. I mean, so whether you, you know, you could sit there and say, I don't like this stuff, but you know, no, it's, it's under, you know, even when well, I didn't the, want it was to the admit it. For us. it, it was the entree, yeah. it was, the, it yeah. was the entree into it, you know, because of those samples of the hard rock samples. Yeah. So it was something that, that someone that would maybe dismiss rap at the time. You're like, yeah, I don't listen to that. Or I, I listen to rock. This kind of fooled you into it. It, 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 it kind of opened the door and said, Hey, you know what? Come, come through here, you know, yeah. come check this out. Because uh, normally, you know me, and we've talked about that. I, normally, I'll buy, I would buy back then a, a cassette for one song and never listen to the rest of the album. <laughs> That's right. I don't know right. how this one made it through. Like, I don't know how this, you know, maybe because it wasn't, maybe because, you know, You Gotta Fight wasn't the first song. If, if You Gotta Fight was the first song on the cassette, I you probably, probably have, would yeah, you would have gotten through it. You know, yeah. but the first one is, is you know, when the levee breaks, like. But that, like, yeah, the way they kick you know, that off and then to have to have she's crafty as the third yeah. song and then you're you know you're now you're getting into like posse and effects slow ride <sighs> you know they're, they're actually you know referencing the fog hat classic i mean it's just i mean come on you know and then i, I think fight for your right was it this maybe the lead um probably the lead song on side two was like no I'm it was the, it was actually like here. the second song okay i think i think the, yeah, the, i think side two let off with songs girls. For, uh, okay I think yeah. So yeah, it's pretty Could deep in 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 the yeah. album. It's, you well, know, maybe so, yeah, maybe yeah. it did lead off the second side. So the sequencing on this is, is very smart, very very smart because it you know because that single like because that's the one that was the song for us. But you know you have to get through all these other songs first, and that was it take a lot of fast forwarding to get to that. Yeah, you know, so there's and, no and way I didn't. You can, yeah, I just kind of listen. Now you could do that, but back in the day, you just you couldn't. You sit there like you know, like okay, yeah, spe- this, especially you know. if you had a battery operated device, you didn't <laughs> want to like b- drain those batteries fast forwarding. It was it was more economical to listen <laughs> right. than it was to yeah. fast forward. Yeah. And it was just yeah, um, it, it was just a great. You know, I look back on it now. I'm like, how did this? How did this sneak in there? But it was those rock sensibilities that that pushed it in there. It was MTV right, again, the production sensibilities too. I think, it, you know, cause you now, you know, now when I listen to it, well, I, I you and it. I, I think we're, we were enamored by, especially in the late eighties, as we've always said, how, you know, we got into that kind of like producing artists, you know, we were really interested in the way things were made. Uh, probably maybe even a little more so than 
you know, half the stuff that we, we didn't even know. Like there's still a lot of stuff to be heard that we didn't know, but we were already into it, you know, getting enamored in these, you know, producers and stuff of people that yeah. were, I, I don't, I don't think I thought know. of the beastie boys that way though. I, I, I didn't think of this as a greatly produced. I wasn't thinking about production okay. with this album. No, it was just I more of a, more of an assault. It was kind of like, this is just, it so, is, so but, raw. but production wise, it's raw, but it, yeah. but it does have that bottom end. I always, yeah. I always bring, I always say that, but it's like that, that I want it. I want that bass. I, I need it in a song <laughs> that you it. need it. You know, I gotta have it. <laughs> it's, it's gotta be there. It, it, I can't stand like, you know, stuff that's way, way too tinny and there's hardly any, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot of mid range and a lot of high end, you know, it, it kind of grates on my nerves a little bit. Like I have to have something to balance <clears> it. And without yeah. that, it's just, but this album most definitely had it. And for something in the eighties, especially around that time where a lot of, there was a lot of, lots of pop music, synth pop music was happening yeah. and you know, all that kind of thing. Yeah. It's he just, kind of. he was kind of, like I said, he was also producing metal acts at the same time. Yeah. You know, Kerry King from Slayer actually was, you know, he was working on, like I said earlier, he was working on Rain and Blood at the same time. Yeah. Kerry King comes in and plays the solo for No Sleep Till Brooklyn yeah. from Slayer. So literally in the same in the same studio, in the same soundstage or whatever it is, uh, producing these different acts, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and like I said, he brings that sensibility. And then the following year, we'll throw it in there. You know, the, the cult seeks out Rick Rubin. To, to change their sound because they had they had a specific sound very jangly and very goth and new wavy mm -hmm. and they virtually recorded their whole second album electric they recorded it with with the original producer Steve, Steve Brown they didn't like it they go to New York they they seek out Rick Rubin they re-record the whole thing they strip he strips everything away yeah you know I thought it was ACDC when I first heard it because that's how raw it was yeah you know so he's yeah. got that ability like I said to be that that listener and not like the, the, the guru that's going to change everything, but to kind of be the, 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 I guess the, 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 the wall to bounce the ideas yeah. off of and, and send them back. And he's bringing and back like that natural, you know, almost analog feel yeah. to things. And, and, you know, like, let's face it, there were a lot of metal bands, hair metal bands. And that, like I, we are, you know, I can't stand that, that polish or that, I don't know even how to describe that compressed <laughs> something that, you know, that's, that's, you know, the music doesn't breathe. I could feel it like behind, like there's like a sheet of, of saran wrap around the, the song, you know, it's like, it's, it's Def Leppard's like that to me. Like a lot of their but stuff. I love that. I love that. It's so slick. I love rest, it. you know, it's just, oh, but it's, it oh, <laughs> bothers me. I, I, I need that stuff to break, break out yeah. and, and to get no, those I, drums I, I, out I there. Like the, and, I like you know, the Def Leppard sound because it is yeah. so, because you because it is so encapsulated that that it has a tightness to it um yeah. that it feels like it like like you said it feels like it wants to break out but i like that it that mutt lang just for Def Leppard, i'm not a big fan of his but i like mm -hmm. for Def leopard that he that it's got that restrained feel to it it feels like it's they're they're being held in yeah um yeah. i think it were i think it works for Def leopard maybe not for other artists but i think for okay. them because it gives them a it, it kind of gives them a more polished sound and that's what Def Leppard need. You know, yeah. you know, that really makes the Def Leppard sound is that kind of slickness and that, that encapsulated mm -hmm. feel. So for yeah. them, I think it's good. I think Def Leppard. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's good for Def Leppard. No, Maybe not the music good. is great, but I, I would, I would much prefer to hear it like full on warm and, and just sort of like, a little bit more raw, you know, that's what that, it's I, not I, Def Leppard. It's something else. <laughs> well, <laughs> whatever right then then, yeah. then it tra then it transforms in, into something else unless they're <laughs> yeah. looking to change their sound right but you know th those those albums with mutt lang were just those are classics i mean god yeah. 
you know, pyromania and hysteria. Hysteria are, was are a big two, one. Uh, yep. mm-hmm. yeah, are two classics, but we're I'm sure we'll get to, to that one boys. at some point. I, I'd like to. I'd like to get to one yeah. of those. Pro- yeah. Probably pyromania. That was that was around the same time, right? Pyromania was like eighty five or eighty four. We were we were still 80, in eighty four. We were still in some yeah. form of school. Yeah, because I remember a photograph. <laughs> yeah, coming home that was on MTV every MTV, damn day. Yeah, yeah. every damn day that video was on. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, that's come the home. reason I went. Yeah, I love that song. I mean, that's the reason I got the album was for that song. You know, it's, you know, um, Joe Elliott's like vocal on the, on the yeah. especially at the, at the end where he really takes it high and like yeah, that was yeah, eighty three. You know, so eighty three. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to Pyromania. Hysteria was like maybe eighty five. I think no, right? it was later than that. I re- I remember thinking about that. I remember thinking about Def Leppard when that album came out because it was so big um, that. I was, th- that they took so long for their out their follow up to come out, right? Hysteria was was eighty seven. It was four years later, which back then was a long time. Mm-hmm. Like back then, we talked about that where back then artists would just plop out albums sometimes twice in a year. Like like our Elton John episode is like two. You know, he did two in one yeah. year. Yeah, and they used to just kind of, especially when you have a a, a monster album. I remember I'm like now now four years is nothing. But back then, I'm like, wow, whatever happened to Def Leppard? And, and you know, are they going to be as popular? And then Hysteria comes out, and it's just like, yeah, they, it was like they never left. It was even bigger. Yeah. And it was even slicker. That was even slicker. Like, pour <laughs> some was. sugar on me and Armageddon. It was just like, wow. It's like, yeah. eating, like you said, it's like eating candy. <laughs> this, <laughs> this, is not, this was not like that. Um, in 1989, the Beastie Boys would part ways with Def Jam because they were the Beasties were like, well, you know, we're doing work. We're not getting paid. So they have this this monster album, you know, uh, licensed to ill. They sign with Capitol Records. They go out to California. They hook up with the Dust Brothers, who are you know noted producers at the time. Mm-hmm. They lay down a ton of beats, ton of tracks, and release an album called Paul's Boutique, yeah, which was basically the pet. You know, it was basically the the pet sounds of of the Beastie Boys. That's a no one liked it when it came out. No one got it when it came out. They're like, what is this? It's it's too dense. Uh, yeah. we, we don't understand what's going on. And it's only now in hindsight that people look back and say, wow, this was actually something really special. Um, and it was a high watermark for, for rap, for, for music and for the beastie boys. And it, it kind of, it kind of showed their maturity and, and people weren't getting it. Yeah. Already. People didn't understand. You would, you would think that it would, this would have happened third, fourth album in, but this is their second. And, and well, it's, it's probably my favorite. I mean, yeah. I, I love the first, but this different you know, feel. It had much different feel, but same, man, same, you know. same band and the the lyrics are the same. Like they, they didn't change. It's not like they, they all of a sudden were talking about, you know, voting and, and revolution, you know, the, mm-hmm. the lyrics were the same. It's just the feel was different and it had a, you know, like, and yeah, you work with the dust brothers, you're going to get something, you're going to get something different. And they were starting yeah. to expand their ideas. And that was the key for them. They mm-hmm. didn't do license to ill too. They could have done a goofy song and, and there were no discernible hits. I think, uh, what hey ladies was on that there's um, only two singles yeah hey ladies yeah, yeah, yeah. so so they they you know were, were taking their career into their hands by leaving def jam also which was significant right and they're like well, you know mm-hmm. you guys aren't doing right by us so we're gonna go you know we're gonna follow what we need to do yeah um and, and put out an album that really it didn't sell much at all capital actually didn't really even promote it that much that was part of the problem as well capital just wasn't behind it um yeah so it was kind of a head scratcher it's like okay um what what next and then and they would just kind of keep going 
um, they, 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 they literally stayed the course. Yeah. Shadrock was, was the other, was the other single on that. Shadrock and, and Hey ladies. Yeah. Amazing. Because this hey album, seems, I think it's longer, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a longer album than licensed to ill. And, and yeah, so it's kind of like the tusk of, or, <laughs> the, or the pet sounds or, you know, even well, Sergeant Pepper. I, yeah, I well, heard, the, well, the, you know, the one after that, check your head had 20, had 20 songs. Mm. on it so they were they were just going for i mean a lot of them were short so like like little interludes but that had passed the mic it had so what you want on it uh ill communication would come out in uh in 94 yeah uh, which had sure shot on it and had sabotage which was just like you know that just kind of blew blew up mtv um and and just kind of re re brought the beastie boys again it wasn't a hit single like like from a from a single standpoint uh, but MTV at that point was, was calling the shots anyway. That was where the, where the decision makers were and, and what was getting played and what was getting popular. Yeah. Um, and then hello nasty with, of course it came out in 98, uh, intergalactic. Oh my God. I just love that song. <laughs> any, any song that, 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 that is going to mention, uh, you know, a pinch from the neck a pinch, like a pinch from the, in the neck from Mr. Spock. I'll stir fry <laughs> you in my walk. Come on, man. <laughs> Yeah, I like my yeah. sugar with coffee and cream. That's the way I drink my coffee or my yeah. sugar is with coffee and cream. I, I, you know, I just love it. They, they didn't try and change that. Like the, the Beastie no. Boys formula was always the same. These clever lyrics, they just got kept getting better at what they were doing, you know? Yeah. And, and I love that, you know, I love that they were able to, to, to kind of do that crossover and bring it to people that wouldn't necessarily listen to rap music. That, that was the key. Is yeah. it opened it opened so, yeah. up me and and you by default up to a music at the time that we weren't necessarily fans of, didn't connect with, and certainly weren't in, in the 80s, in the mid-80s. We were in the middle of the hard rock stuff, the ELOs, the you know, mm-hmm. so cape like so. So you know, I think Invisible Touch came out the same year. So we were we were yeah. full on. We were full on in that. We were. But you know, you to, know. To, the, to that point though, I I but I did enjoy, I I was always a big fan of soul. And, mm-hmm. and new music in the seventies and such. So I, you know, I I did have an ear for you know for you know, black American music as well. But the hip hop thing and the rap thing was was so new and so yeah. like I didn't get didn't it. Know what to make of it? Yeah, you, yeah. yeah. You just kind of like this. You're just kind of screaming into a microphone. What's this about? What are they trying to say? But they they kind of took it and yeah, I guess made it accessible for yeah. you know for a broader well, audience. What, what was and, it about? Know, it was about you know, having a good time. The Beastie exactly. Boys were just like. Yeah. You know, yeah. let's have a good time. I'm going to leave as we close. I'm going to leave you with one more lyric that I, mm-hmm. that I pulled from from, <laughs> from License to Ill. Uh, on the Gong Show, we won't get gonged. We're the Beastie Boys, not Cheech and Chong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, I love the pop culture references like that. To me, that's smart because and, and they, they mentioned Columbo and another another thing. So yeah, you know, they, yeah. they were of their time, you know, and and talking about things that people could relate to as well. And that's Absolutely. also what made this album so that. great yeah. too. Is it's so it's so relatable, even though, you know, you're, you're getting for us hip hop. And, and that was like a new experience for us. Again, the Beastie Boys made it accessible for us by having those pop culture lyrics and things that we can connect to mm-hmm. uh, as well to kind of get us in there. And, and I'm happy uh, and and thank the Beastie Boys for doing that. It, yeah. it's, it's such a great album. It's, it's available winner. on Spotify. There's no special edition. It's just it's just there. Um, you know, so you, doesn't you, need you can it. get it. Yeah, you can get it in in all its glory. Uh, check out the great album cover with the with the plane crashing into the you know into the 
into the ground, which is supposed to look like a joint being snuffed out. Yeah. A uh, little pot <laughs> reference in there for you. But uh, yeah, by all means, we, we love this one. This is this is a uh, God. 86 was, was, was rife with great music. It was and a the staple. Boys slid in there, went to number one and, and, and 10 million copies later. Um, they, they absolutely made a mark on, on rap uh, and, and are absolutely rap and hip hop pioneers. So yeah, that's yeah. going to do it for this episode of the 3324 podcast. Go ahead. Find us on social media. Why not say hello? Stop by and wave as you pass by uh, beep the horn twice and we'll hear you and uh, throw a like on some of our posts. We would appreciate that. New episodes come out each week. And also uh, check out our YouTube channel as well. Why don't you do that? We've got the video versions of a lot of these episodes yeah. up and running. <laughs> That's fun too. Plus an archive of our live shows. You can only see past live shows on YouTube. Uh, we don't record those for uh, for episodic consumption. That makes them exclusive. So do that as well. So yeah. for Eric, but you had something else? I had nothing else. You, that you was said it, it I thought, all. I, thought yeah. you were gonna... I was just about to say good night and... You good know, good night. Uh, my, my mother thanks you. My father thanks you. My sister thanks you. And I thank you. If you know that <laughs> what, what movie that is from, hit us up on Facebook. Let me let us know what movie that is from. I guarantee yeah. you nobody gets it. <laughs> you know what it, you know what it's from. I do. Right. OK. Yeah. Um, but but that's going to do it. So that's the challenge. Figure out what what and don't Google it. That's not fair. No. If you if you Google it, that's not fair. But anyway, we appreciate you checking us out. Thank you so much. So for Eric, this has been Dean, and we will catch you on the flip side. You've been listening to the 3324 podcast with Dean Legiro and Eric Cooper. You can find us on your favorite podcast provider. So please like, subscribe, and rate to become a part of the 3324 family. Your feedback is important, so make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at 3324podcast and on Twitter at 3324p to join the conversation. 